1: Welcome to HITS Radio. My name is Jeff Meyer. I'm your host as usual. We're coming today from uh, Chicago. We're finishing up uh, Chicago uh, HITS 2019, we're just kind of wrapping it up. I'm sitting here with Lauren DeGrieve, I think that's how we say it, right? That's right. I want to make sure I don't say it wrong. Lauren's one of our instructors, and I'm going to, instead of uh, saying her background and repeating everything, I'll just uh, let Lauren introduce herself and kind of talk about her background.
2: Sure. So um, I hail currently from the Naval Research Laboratory out of Washington, D.C. Uh, my background is uh, I'm, a, I'm a Ph.D. chemist. Um, I um, specialized in forensic chemistry in grad school at Florida International University, which is where I first started doing um, detection dog related research. Um, I went through the FBI and now I have found myself at NRL. Um, and my focus is trying to understand odor and how that relates to canine olfaction and training.
1: So we, you're here this this week teaching a, a class, and it's basically on the same subject. Um, with in your in your research, you're, you're actually working with dogs on a regular basis, uh, seeing what we do and and how to improve it. I,
2: I don't get to work hands on with the dogs as often as I would like because I would like it to be pretty much daily. Sure. But um, I do spend a lot of time in my, in my lab looking at odor, and then. Most of my research I get at least a couple times in the project to go out and do hands-on testing with the dogs um, and that might be using operational dogs if that's how we want to answer the question or sometimes we'll use green dogs or other types of dogs if the we certainly don't want to give the operational dogs any kind of odors that would you know yeah. mess them up yeah. so um, we use a variety of different yeah. types of dogs basically.
1: okay and what what is the class that you're teaching this year yes?
2: So I have two this year. I'm teaching um, Chemistry of Odor, which is the basic class that I teach that explains um, how odor acts and how that might affect what your dog is doing. I find a lot of the time... Um, we think that maybe our dogs are not working very well, but it's really because the odor is doing so. something funny and um, our dogs are right. So yeah. the, the premise of the class is trust your dogs. Here's why odor's weird and this is what it can do. So it talks about a lot of misconceptions that people have or things they might have not considered, whether it be how odor moves or how things that might change what the odor looks like to the dog or just um, concerns about contamination of training aids. Um, And then the other class is um, detection of homemade explosives because um, we still live in a time where we spend a lot of time training the dogs and even the instrumentation at the airports and whatnot um, focused on traditional explosives, but homemade explosives are very important, but they are also very complicated. They're not necessarily as there's just a lot more options on what they can look like. So, there's a, uh, a handful of other concerns that you sure. would have if you're training a dog or making an instrument to detect them.
1: Sure. Okay. So, let's go back to the odor for this episode. We try to keep these around 20 minutes. And I'd like to pick your brain as, you know, I'm, I've, I've done both patrol dogs and uh, detection dogs. And there's times where I've, I've done exactly what, what you're saying people are guilty of, and I've been guilty of it of, of both. It's like, well, he should, the dog should get the odor right here but he doesn't, you know, so it's what, what, what's the dog doing or anything? So um, can we talk about what are the, how does odor, how does it change the temperature, all those different things sure. for, um, you know, let's start with patrol. I'm, I'm out doing an area search and it's a, a freezing cold night. What, what are, what am I up against besides being cold?
2: Right. So, um, temperature is always a really good um, thing to be concerned about because generally under normal circumstances, a warmer temperature is going to increase the availability of odor, but it's actually much more complex than that. So if you're talking about patrol, for instance, um, cold weather can actually sometimes help you because it helps hold the odor in place. Cooler weather can um, keep the odor low and where it, you know where it was sure. originally, as opposed to hot weather, which can drive it off really, really fast. Also, things like grass can help hold it versus um, a a parking lot, for instance, which are things that you probably experience with your dog, but there's, like, reasons, chemical reasons for that. And
1: is there a temperature threshold? Because I've seen that. Like, a nice, cool night was perfect when I was in patrol. I loved those nights to go hunt for people. But when it got down to 5 below, and where I I live in Colorado, so it was 5, 10 below, it seemed like then we had to put a a dog that normally would – able to find someone from a yard or so away and we had to get that dog very very close to first
2: right so it becomes like a, a threshold issue sure. is what it is so when you start getting really really cold the amount of odor is just less and less and less so it's not that it's not there it's just that there's there's less of it so if your dog's threshold is at x and at, at you know yeah. uh 50 degrees Then on a night where it's five, that threshold is now going to be below that, which is why you would need to get closer to source.
1: Sure. And is there, there's probably, that's probably not, um, it's probably more dog specific than we can't say that in generally this temperature or can't.
2: Right. It's, 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 it's dog specific, but it's also what the odor is. So Uh the problem with odor is that there is a very, it's very difficult to make a blanket statement about how any of it behaves. So Uh certain odorants so let's say your ammonia off your ammonium nitrate yeah. or a compound called methyl off your cocaine they're not going to behave the same because yeah. molecularly they're different and as a handler it's not necessarily it's not remotely necessary to understand molecularly how they move other than the fact that some compounds absorb better to things like grass yeah. some are more affected by heat or cold some are lighter and will move away from the yeah. source faster so basically Instead of you know trying to figure out each individual odor and how it's going to act, but more generally understand that there is a range of things and that everything is going to act the same.
1: Yeah. So so going to the detection dog side side of things, I work at bomb dog now. um, You know, there's odors that he's better at, obviously. Yeah. And and it's not that it's his favorite odor; he likes the way that smells better. There's much more to it than that. So what what causes some dogs like you know there's certain, certain orders dogs struggle with and other ones that, you have know, same amount of, same amount of material put out in the same height, it seems like dogs will do much better on some than others.
2: So there's, there's two probably main reasons for that. The first would be the target itself. So the height, so this vapor pressure, vapor sure. pressure means how readily does it enter the vapor phase? And if it's not in the vapor phase, you can't smell it. You can't drink a solid, you have to drink a liquid. You thus can't smell a liquid or a solid, you have to smell a vapor. So the easier it can get in the vapor phase, the more, there, the more there is. So if you have something like RDX, has a really low vapor pressure, not very much makes it into the vapor phase, hard to detect. You have something like TTP, big vapor pressure, lots lots there to detect. So that's that's one thing. The other thing is your the actual olfactory threshold. And that is going to be different from compound to compound. Um, this is a hypothesis. I don't know if it's true, but I would tend to think like there's not very much ammonia that comes off of ammonia nitrate, but I would assume dogs would probably have a very low threshold for it because it's a, because there's an evolutionary basis for it because uh-huh. there's you know the small urine and whatnot yeah, you yeah. you have ammonia that that's just a guess, but that it would be a good example yeah. that there are certain compounds that dogs will have a particularly low threshold for and ones that they don't have as low of a threshold yeah. for. Humans are very good at smelling flowers, and we're less good at smelling other things. We just have a lower threshold for floral compounds. Um, And that can change between breeds, between species, and between individual dogs. Like, you know that there's um, people who are very good at smelling wines, and they have very good olfactory threshold, um, and there's other people who can barely smell anything. So there's a range in dogs just like humans.
1: Yeah. So so a dog that's a detector dog is well suited for the the job is going to be able to smell things. But but there are, when you're going through your training aids, certain training aids are just going to be better. So um, understanding that, knowing that would obviously be beneficial when I'm training a new dog to start with an easier Older.
2: Right. So, well, you can look at it either way. Sure. You can start with a middle grade and then make it harder. And then, I mean, it depends yeah. on how you, your, yeah. your philosophy yeah. on training, <laughs> sure. but if you have an idea of which ones are harder and which ones are easier, you can at least make a, um, intelligent decision yeah. about, well, I what? want to start on a yeah. harder one, or I want yeah. to start on an easier one.
1: So on, on that note, then uh, when we talk about just in general, that some of the, what are some of the easier or ones that have more of the vapor pressure for bombs?
2: So um, TATP has, for the homemade explosives, has a particularly large vapor pressure. And we love TATP as scientists, because TATP just smells like the molecule of TATP. Uh-huh. There's nothing fancy going on. It's really easy to mimic. It's a delightful uh, explosive to work with. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, it just, it's that's very that's simple. That's um, if you take its cousin, well, yeah, okay. Yeah. So you don't really want to carry it yeah. around. But um, if you ta- look at its cousin, which is HMTD, which is another peroxide explosive that's equally as easy to make, it has a ton of odor coming off of it. So it has a very, the odors have very large vapor pressures, but they change with time because Uh it will go from smelling like formaldehyde when it's fresh to smelling like fish as it ages. So now you have a training aid, let's say, or training material where the odor is changing every time you train with it, which is going to complicate things. Um, the lower thresholds, a lot of your uh, military, because let me, let
1: me oh, you I find that fascinating. So, <laughs> well, because, you know, oftentimes, uh, when we've trained on TATP, it's, it's, you know, it's in a very, very controlled environment, or HMPD mm-hmm. especially. it's in a very controlled environment. It's often fresh. So is that something that I should be concerned about? Because, I mean, it smells different to us, but can the dog generalize and understand it's two weeks old? I mean,
2: I do not know the answer to that. Um, TTP is easy. Um, Even the dirty TTP, which is probably more likely what the dog would find in real life, is still going to have a really big molecular TTP odor. That's why we like it. So even if there's some acetone left over in the dirty stuff or some other compounds, that main one's still there. Um, Because HMTD changes so much, not only does it change with age, it changes on purity quite Uh a bit. Um, that one is really complex and I actually have never been able to, I would love to, um, but I have never been able to test dogs on fresh versus aged and clean versus not clean. But what I can tell you is that there is a, a pretty strong difference. So the takeaway from that is if you ever have an option to train on different things, old new person, a made it person B made it take that, take that advantage. yeah. yeah,
1: I'm glad you mentioned that because I I didn't ever understand there was a difference.
2: Yeah, HMTD is a fun one. It really it's uh it, it's quite the odor is quite interesting. It's almost like a following cadaver odor. Like it changes yeah. a
1: lot. And can the same be said with our regular? I mean, obviously our uh, regular training aids will degrade over time. Does the actual odor of them? I mean, I know we can taking away the the issue of contamination and all the other stuff that. That is dumb dog handlers. That what we do to you know to, to mess up the purity of the odor. Do they also degrade badly over time?
2: Um, they. I have never been. There are no storage actual storage studies out there formally. However, we know that um, TNT will change a little bit over time, but um, it's really a ratio changing, so it shouldn't be nearly yeah. as problematic. Um, a lot of the military grade explosives are very stable. Which is useful, which is why I um, talk a lot about homemade explosives because sure. homemade explosives are not necessarily that stable, and there's a lot less known about it. Yeah. So that I have, a, there's a lot less answers out there, and um, you can also make such a different yeah. many varieties of yeah. them. Um, so that's so the the homemade explosives I would recommend, you know, changing yeah. up, trying fresh, maybe keeping some aged ones. I suspect that on the binaries if i was the bad guy i probably wouldn't keep them around for a really long yeah. time because they're so easy to make
1: yeah so and um what is i'm sure there's probably a threshold problem with both of those so you know we we train on very 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 small amounts because of the inherent danger with them sure how and i mean we've also exposed our dogs to hundreds of pounds of explosives on a few times and see what they do and they work through that if, is there any study showing that if my dog now is able to detect 300 pounds of, of any other explosive and he understands that the the threshold problem when it gets big, when we go back to TATP, which obviously has a lot of vapor pressure, does that make that problem worse? And are they going to have difficulty with that one? You know, I've never, I've never been around five pounds of TATP, and I don't think I ever want to be. So Yeah, I don't either. Uh. Uh, so So is it is that going to be difficult for the
2: dog i don't know if there are studies where a dog has seen a lot and then trying to go back down uh-huh. i do know that dogs are particularly for the peroxide explosives yeah. because of the danger are often trained on incredibly yeah. low quantities and they have successful okay fines yeah. so yes there is an issue where um if you go too high it can start to confuse the dog if yeah. they've never seen that before and there are a variety of reasons for that there's how it how the olfactory receptors deal with a huge plume of odor. There's how a dog can find source and what, and then there's literally like the nose blind sure. effect where if you go into a room and there's just a ton of odor, eventually yeah. you can't smell it anymore. Yeah. So there's a variety of things. When you go up in yeah. uh, in odor availability, there's a variety of things that can happen there. Um, but. What you have to keep in mind is that um, even if you have a huge amount of somebody puts five pounds of TATP out, they're probably wrapping it up really well, and they're probably putting it in a number of containers, so the actual amount of odor is quite possibly very small, so it may be very similar to your small little training aid that you're using, so your small little training aid is probably pretty valid.
1: Okay, that's good Good to know. Moving on to the drug side of the house, what do we know about, like, are there certain drugs that are... More readily available odor wise than others or it seems like like here's a question that's very common on the drug side is is the way my meth recipe might be different than your meth right. recipe it seems like we always are successful finding it but it, are those are those problems with the impurity that we find with all the drugs we find it, or do they generalize into a correct target odor
2: so th- this is not my i've only done a little bit of work with um narcotics so it's not my absolute um sure specialty. However, um, there have been most of the drugs that people have been able to find, um, specific odorants that are common across different purity Uh levels. Um, and at that point, you know, your dog was doing it the whole time. So that's just science backing up why the dog can do what the dog can do. Um, I just very recently completed a study where we, we weren't using operational dogs. We're using, um, nose work dogs, but, um, We trained them on a pure cocaine mimic, and then we tested them on mixtures, and then we sent them back and let half of them continue to train on the pure mimic, and we let the other half work on different mixtures, Uh and we came back to see what kind of improvement they had, and all the dogs improved because it was just simply more training, but the dogs that had seen a handful of different mixture options performed better in the Uh later tests, even though those were totally different mixtures than what they had seen during training. So what that basically is showing you is that that what your dog gets a better and better understanding of the odor picture and how it can change and what might affect and you know what it might expect in so the real world even if you can't literally mimic everything yeah. you're going to find out there on the street.
1: So that that obviously goes to where the value like we train with a large group of bomb dog handlers and I always say the biggest value is that we're using all of their aids. Yes. So that's very, my,
2: yeah. I mean, people don't can't have all the training aids in the yeah. world. You can't get every manufacturer. You can't yeah. put it in every different type of container. But what you can do is share with the, you know, any jurisdictions that yeah. are near you. Yeah. And that's really important, I think.
1: I think there's some science that, that shows that even if, it's, if I've taught my dog how to work through some of these problems, if it's a totally different problem, he'll, he'll understand that he's looking it's yes. it's gonna be different, but I still know the odor, right?
2: Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Dogs can get really accidentally specific on things. So if you're changing it up a lot, that will help prevent them from getting um kind of tunnel vision.
1: Sure. That's a that's a good way of looking at it. So going back to the the class too, what are some other things like on the detectors of dog side of the, the house that are gonna affect odor when uh when I'm like either in the training environment or the real world, what are
2: So there's uh, let's see. We've talked about temperature, um, humidity, water. Water is a big one. Odor likes to go into water. So um, if you have a buried or any kind of hidden um, target where there is any kind of water source, it will like to follow that. So if your dog is alerting downstream or at the nearest um, amount, the nearest water, there's there's a good reason for that. Your dog's not crazy. It's Uh doing something. Um, cadaver dog handlers see this all the time, but other type of handlers might not think about this. Um, but dew is very helpful for that reason, because it will help hold the water there. Um, soil that might be wet on the top is helpful for that, um, reason. Another thing people don't think about because, um, when you think of odor, you think of a vapor that floats and is very light, but it does have mass. So it does get affected by gravity. So it will, we all know that like, if you have a high hide, it will fall down the wall or what have you, but it will also fall down a hill
1: okay, or th- things
2: like it. that. So it, it, anything that would affect gravity, your ultimately your odor will be affected by gravity and will fall.
1: Okay. Uh, I guess it will settle
2: right. into crevices. Anything uh-huh. that a water would do settle into crevices, things like that. Um, ultimately odor will do also.
1: In At in a slower speed. I assume
2: slower and a little bit more distributed. Uh-huh. Like if your odor source is to the left and you have a crevice to the right, I'm not saying that all of the odor is yeah. going to be in the crevice. Like, eventually all of the water would fall into the crevice. But, like, it will – you'll have, like, a nice um, plume of odor in that crevice in addition to it being at the source. Okay.
1: Are there scientific ways to measure that?
2: Yeah, there are. There, there are however, <laughs> <laughs> there are. But the one of the biggest problems um, on our side, on the laboratory side, is that the dogs are really good at their job. There and our instruments are <laughs> – have a hard time keeping up. The dogs are very sensitive, so they can smell very low quantities. And sometimes our instruments, um, particularly field instruments, have a hard time getting that low. But um, what the dogs are really good at is selectivity. So they can work out odor through a a really complex background. And our instruments aren't as they're not thinking like it, you know so there's I know a lot you're harder. On the
1: science background but i love it when the dogs win and i love it when oh when, yeah the I dogs, love when they spend a billion dollars and some dumb labrador comes in and wins
2: <laughs> i i spend a lot because i am the um in my my group at NRL it's a sensing group so they spend a lot of time um developing or testing different types of sensors and i'm the only person over here looking at fur sensors <laughs> and um i i do feel like i spend a lot of time making sure people understand just how good the fur sensors yeah, I are appreciate that. And because, you know, I don't I'm I'm all about um, bringing sensors and dogs together, but yeah. I don't tend to think that you're, we're going to ever make a sensor that's going to
1: defeat what the dogs can do. I, I agree. I've heard that. The, I've been a dog doghound for a long time. And I know one time when tasers were getting popular, they said, oh, that's going to take the patrol dog out. Yeah. I said, a taser can't smell. So no, we're, we're your taser is yeah. not going to go yeah, find the yeah. bad guy so, first. So I wasn't worried then. And then. Sometimes when you see the latest greatest machine pop up, people say, "Oh, eventually we won't have detection dogs." And I, I don't think in my lifetime I'm ever going to see. I don't.
2: Close to I that. tend to. I'm all about. I, I think that making instruments that complement the dogs, sure. or using the dogs as a way to design instruments. But I don't think you'll ever take dogs out of play.
1: That's good to hear.
2: <laughs> for both of us. Yeah, I think. exactly.
1: Yeah, we both will have a job here for for our careers. So. Well, I know you're really busy. Uh, this has been a big conference, and uh, hopefully you're, I know you're probably getting inundated with uh, people stopping you and asking you questions.
2: Oh, it's the best. Yeah.
1: We do a lot of networking here, and, and uh, I always encourage people to flag to down the instructors and pick their brains. So I've already gotten feedback. you got another class tomorrow. I do. do. Yep. So I'm looking forward to sitting there. So thanks for taking the time today. I Thank you so much it. for having me. Absolutely. Hope you're enjoying yourself.
0: Absolutely. And then
1: in uh, the future, we'll probably talk about some other subjects, and maybe uh, we'll be both get back to our regular jobs. We'll find some time and do a couple other follow up shows if that's okay.
0: Sounds great. That yes, thank nice. you again. All
1: right, thank you, Mark.
0: HITS Radio is brought to you by the professionals at HITS Training and Consulting. Don't miss out on the world's largest law enforcement canine training conference coming to the McCormick Center in Chicago, Illinois this August. HITS has the most diverse class schedule to fit your training needs. And with over 100 vendors, you'll find everything you need to gear up for your next shift. Register today and save at www.hitscanine.net.